Just real quick before we jump into this week's episode. If you have not yet subscribed to Some Assembly Required on your favorite podcast player, please do so. It'll help me a lot. And if you're new here, I'm so glad you found us. My name's Sean. Right, let's go. Some Assembly Required is about matters of the heart and the head. And sometimes the heart and the head disagree. Other times they're scattered and they just can't align. At least that's what I've been told. Today's episode is about attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, also known as ADHD. My first encounter with ADD, as it was known then, was while teaching children to swim. This particular five-year-old had been coming for lessons for quite some time already when he arrived and barely greeted me. He was disengaged, lethargic, and the scariest of all to me was that he was extremely quiet. This was not the same bundle of energy I had become so accustomed to seeing on a weekly basis. And that's when his dad said, sorry, it's late. Aftercare forgot the Ritalin. That was probably the early 2000s. Fast forward 23 years later, and I have friends and colleagues who speak about struggling to focus. And I myself joke about being hyperactive. But how does ADHD affect adults, the good and the bad? And what better way to hear about it than from someone that has been diagnosed? Terence Mentor, thank you for agreeing to share your journey. Thank you for having me. And we're going to say up front that this episode is in no way to be considered as advice or diagnose yourself for argument's sake, but it is an account of your experience with ADHD. I mean, you have every right to keep it to yourself. Why is it that you are happy to speak about it? I think... I'm so happy to speak about this because it was it made my life so hard for so long not understanding this. And I think there's real freedom in being able to work through that struggle and potentially talking about it and helping someone else maybe not have to struggle so much. It also helps me personally not feel so alone because like I said whenever I do speak about this openly, I'll you know, I'll go on social media and I'll just talk about my own experience and I'll have five, six, 10, 20 comments from different people. Some people who have been in my life for a long time saying, hey, I was also diagnosed. Hey, I also have this experience. So it really helps to feel less alone. So then if I may ask, what's it like inside your head? What's going on in your head at any moment of the day? <laughs> uh, it's a mess. It's It's a mess of doubt. It's a mess of different ideas. Um, and it's... A lot of negative talk because I get so frustrated with myself so often. Uh, I think that's the, the best way to talk about it because I will know, for instance, that I have a big campaign or project that I have to be working on and I just can't get myself to do it. Or I'll be in the middle of doing that work and I'll get a great idea for a new podcast or a new episode or a new book I want to write or a new hobby that I want to take up. And all of a sudden, that's all I can think about. And I just want to get myself, I, I know what I should be doing. I know where I should be focusing. And I just can't get my brain to do it. It's an impossible hurdle. Um, so so there's a lot of that frustration. Um, and then there are times when everything just aligns, where the thing that I'm working on is what I'm super focused on. I'm hyper focused on that. The ideas for that particular project is flowing um, there's a, there's a problem that other people haven't been able to solve that I, I see the solution really clearly, uh, you know, or there's, there's a pattern that's happening in my life that I go, Oh, I see the pattern there and I can, I can 
affect change based on that pattern. And when that happens, that feels super good. And I get very excited and I can't stop talking about that kind of stuff. Um, but, but generally it's a mess of all of those things. It's a lot of, it's a lot of negative thought. It's a lot of self doubt. It's a lot of like, this is brilliant. There's a lot of, this is the worst. Um, and I, and I hope even in the way I'm answering that question, it gives you a little bit of an idea of, of how messy it is in there. It sure does. It also makes me feel a bit better about what's going on. So I also don't feel so alone now. And on that note, though, Terrence, like, so what was it like for you then to learn that other people's brains don't necessarily operate the same way? What was it like to learn that your experience is different from other people? And how did that make you feel? They, they don't kind of navigate the world the same way that you do i i actually remember this moment because it was it was very late on in life i had been married for a few years already and i i'd been really struggling with my mental health um one of the issues with adhd is that it, it affects other parts of your mental health as well so i was really struggling with depression and anxiety and i was in the kitchen cleaning the dishes and i was really having a difficult day and i and i was talking to my wife about it because she really wanted to try to understand what was going on and i was just like and I said, you know, I just can't keep, you know, we all have that voice in our head that just tells you that you're, you're shit, you're shit, you're shit all the time. And, and today I just, I can't keep that voice down today. And it's just reminding me how awful a person I am. And she was like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, you know, the voice that you have that tells you how terrible you are and everything. I'm like, and she's like, I don't have that voice. Sometimes I have that, like, sometimes I, I know I'm not doing a good job and I need to do better, but like. I don't have an internal thing in my head saying saying that to me all the time, and that's when I was like, "Oh wait, there's something, <laughs> there's something different going on in in my mind," and uh, that started this journey of of, real, of me realizing that there were some things that that were divergent about about my brain, um, and and then when I started to investigate ADHD further and I got my diagnosis, to be told that there are people who can sit for an hour and just focus on a task, like as an adult to, to sit for an hour and just focus on a task and do that task or, or to have someone who is told, Hey, this project is due in three months time. It's best if you work on the project every single day, a little bit for three months. And they do that. Like how, how? I don't understand how you do, how do you keep something in your head for three months and you do a little bit of it every single day? That is insane to me. Um, you know, how do you not need the panic of a due date tomorrow to force you to get the stuff done? Like that there are people who don't need external forces to get them to do a hard thing. Uh, that blew my mind. And it made me, it actually, it made me feel less than. It made me feel like there was a, a deficit. Like, and, 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 I, and I hate that word. I hate, but unfortunately, I, a lot of people and me included feel like the term ADHD is the incorrect term, but it did make me feel at that point that I had a deficit. It also explained like why I struggle to do exercise. Like I can't go for a run every single day for 30 minutes and let my mind drift off because my mind doesn't drift off. I'm so in the moment every single time that I feel every painful footstep that you take in a run. Um, you know, I can't do the same thing every single day because my mind rages against that. Um, and, and so, yeah, so it really did feel like, Oh, whoa, I, I, I am less than, and that was my, that was my first engagement with it. 
the process of being diagnosed, you speak already about it was relatively late in life. So my question is, when were you diagnosed and what's that process to getting a fixed diagnosis? So, yeah, it was about three years ago now that, uh, let me, th- let me think. Um, yeah, three, I, I should have prepped for this interview, but again, um, uh, it was three, about three years ago. And, um, I, look, it had always been something that I, like I said, I'd, I'd been aware that there was a, there was a, there was a deficit. There was a difference. There was, I was struggling to, to succeed in the way the world currently works. Um, I just thought it, it was because I had a, like, in all honesty, to be frank, I, I honestly thought I had a low IQ. Like I thought that I was not smart enough to get a degree. I was not smart enough to be promoted. I was not smart enough to do things that I would, would love to be able to do. I just thought, oh, okay, like I have a, I, I'm below average. <laughs> um, and every time I'd say that my wife would get very angry with me, but I'm like, look, the results, like if, if, if intelligence is measured on the outcomes, my outcomes are low. <laughs> so therefore, um, but then weirdly, I got on TikTok. <laughs> I started watching TikTok and the TikTok algorithm is very good at telling you things about yourself that you didn't even realize was a thing uh, because of, of all of the sneaky ways the algorithm works. And I started to be fed a lot of ADHD related content that I really related with. Now this is dangerous of course, because a lot of it is relatable to everyone. Um, sometimes people put it across very normal experiences. They put it across as ADHD, but there was so much of it that I was like, Whoa, like this is a doctor. This is a psychologist saying these are symptoms. These are experiences that people have with ADHD. I was like, I, I need to, I need to investigate this further. Um, I was fortunate that a friend of mine was an educational psychologist, which is like, this is his jam. This is what he does. Um, and I was able to talk to him further about it. Uh, and he knew me in high school and he was like, yeah, like just from knowing you in high school, I'm f- I, like, we'll do a proper diagnosis, but just from knowing you in high school, you definitely have it. Um, and then we went through a process of, of doing a, like a three hour test where I'm answering very various questions. There's a lot of, there's, there's a, there's a practical test that you're answering on a computer to like measure your reaction time and all that kind of stuff. But then it's also just sitting down with a psychologist and talking about your experience at school, talking about the kind of things people would say about you, talking about how you would interact with your parents and what they would say about your academics. Um, and, and after that, you know, that came back and it was like, you are so deeply ADHD like this. It's not like you're not on the cusp. You're not maybe. You are very clearly, this is something that you have. Okay. So there is a legitimate test. There is a legitimate process to getting a diagnosis. I ask this because I've sat in a therapist's office before. And after seeing them three times, they start to speak to me about diagnoses that they're convinced I have but we haven't run a series of things. And that, that put me off quite quickly. Um, so because we're sharing, there was, she had said to me um, in conversation, she's pretty sure, you know, like that's typical of AS, AS. And I was like, what is, what's that? And then she paused and she said, haven't we spoken about this? And I said, nope. Anyway, long story short, she'd already decided that I was on the autism spectrum, but we hadn't done anything to confirm that. 
So I'm very pleased to hear that there is a legitimate test and a process that one needs to go through to get a proper diagnosis. It's very true, as you say, we can watch Instagram and TikTok and we can self-diagnose and then not necessarily get the help that we really do need. Glad you went the right route and you figured it out. What does it mean to you to actually have the diagnosis moving forward? So I think I think the big thing about the diagnosis, the, the, the couple of big things that came out of it, the first one was that there are different kinds of ADHD, right? So so we get told this person has ADHD and we kind of assign them a stereotype that, that we think. But there's the, the, the hyperactivity aspect to it and there's the attention aspect to it. And I was very much on the attention um, dysregulation side of it, um, which is helpful because, you know, when you think like you're talking about, you know, in your intro, you think of like ADD or ADHD, you think of the naughty kid in class who just can't sit still, who's always, you know, talking, who's always getting in trouble, you know, not paying attention, um, who's always trying to find ways to, to distract everyone else and is a real problem child. I wasn't like that. I was, I was shy. I was quiet. I, I did my work. Um, but to be told, to be to, to to get a diagnosis and to have a expert explain what the attention dysregulation actually means, to have that explain everything that I went through in school and in varsity and through all of my life, actually, in so many different parts of my life, it was such a relief. Because, like I said, I really thought that I, I I was stupid. I really thought that I just had I just wasn't a smart person. I thought I was pretending. I thought I was a dumb person who was pretending to be smart, uh, which is what I would tell my wife all the time. Like, no, I'm very good at pretending that I'm smart and I can fool people. Um, but to be told, no, 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 there's the, you, you don't have a low IQ. You have this other thing that means your brain works differently. And, and then that was the last big takeaway was my therapist, the, the person who diagnosed me, he also has ADHD, <laughs> which was really good because he could, he, he, he knew how to speak about it in a way that was not, oh, this is something that you're going to be struggling with for the rest of your life. And this is like a, you know, he, he, he was the one who first told me the word deficit is actually incorrect. It's a dysregulation because the, the reality is there are times when I can hyperfocus. There are times that I can do amazing stuff. Um, and his big point was that actually what the, the reality is the world is not designed for people who have the kind of brain that I have. The world is designed for people who can sit down and focus for an hour, for two hours. That's what school trains you to do and to get that, that stuff done. The world isn't designed for people who can think fast, who can come up with plans quickly, who can notice patterns quickly, who, um, have a real empathy for picking up signals from, from, from people like, um, like it's almost the, the, op I know people put ADHD and autism on the same, in the same thinking because they're both neurodivergence, but the reality is people with ADHD are able to even, they're more attuned to, to peep, to the emotional outputs of other people. They can walk into, they, they, we can walk into a room and go weird vibe. Yeah. That person has a negative issue with that person. Okay. How do we do How do we fix this? Um, I know, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you have picked it up from me as well. Like you and I'll be messaging back and forth and I'll be like, you're, you're totally fine. Like you're not rude or anything, but I'll just be like, Hey dude, are you okay? And you'll be like, actually, I'm really tired. And I can just pick up that from, from the, like there's something about your message. I'm just like, Sean's having a tough day today. So, so he was able to kind of outline all of these positives about having ADHD. 
um, which, which was also like, oh, okay, double relief. Like I, I can explain why I've been struggling in the past. And now I, I have this like semi superpower <laughs> to go forward with. I do want to go back to how ADHD or ADD, as it was first known, this, and I think Ritalin as one of the more prominent drugs for uh, tampering and helping the brain calm things down and a- able to focus. I think it's it's been around for a while, um, but the 80s and 90s was kind of when ADD became a bit more of a diagnosable, actually recognizable type of thing. So it wouldn't be too surprising that many adults and I suppose millennials, 30s, 40s, may have not been misdiagnosed, but it was just completely missed. We didn't necessarily see it as ADD or ADHD. It was just hyperactive, naughty, um, disruptive, couldn't concentrate. And I'm interested to know if you can think back, your report cards when they came back home, were they saying Terence is exceptionally diligent and does everything that he needs to do. <laughs> no, no, they. So, so yes, I think this is why. Like, also just to touch on the idea that there are so many adults who are now getting diagnosed. The problem is, is that in the eighties and nineties, more in the nineties when I was at school, they, it was only the kids who were really bottom of the class, really struggling, that got any sort of you know, occupational therapy or any sort of attention because, whoa, these kids need help. Um, whereas if you were in the, if you were, if you were passing, if you're doing fine, if you were maybe not getting A's, but you were, you were, you were getting by, you clearly understood the work. Even if it was clear that you could do better, there wasn't, it was, it, there wasn't that much focus put on you. There wasn't something that was like, oh, we need to have a therapeutic intervention here. So for me, all of my report cards from throughout junior school was very much like Terence has done well this year, but he still isn't achieving what he's capable of. Every almost every single report card was Terence is um, a, is a pleasant child. He's very polite. He does tend to talk a lot in class. Um, he tends not to always complete his work, but when he does complete his work, he he's he does well. Um. And looking back, I always ask myself the question, what, no one in 12 years of me going to school, and I went to a good school, but I think it, this shows you more about what the time was like. No one asked why. Every single term, every single teacher would go, Terrence is not achieving what he's capable of. And not one teacher went, why is Terrence not achieving what he's capable of? It was always seen as a character flaw of, of me. And can we also yeah. say there that hearing over and over and over again that you're not reaching your potential is disheartening. Totally. And we can see then why if someone has not been diagnosed and don't understand themselves well enough, how it can lead to things like depression. Mm. And anxiety because you're, you're now, ooh, I'm letting people down. I'm, I'm, people are upset because I'm, you know, if I, if I just, and I think that's also why I would think of myself and call myself stupid and have a low IQ so that like I could take that pressure off myself, like the expectation then 
is lower because I'm not actually capable of, it was like me raging against those report cards saying that Terrence is capable of more. I'm like, no, I'm not capable of more. I'm a dummy. Um, that was really, and again, I'm not saying this about anyone else. I'm saying this about myself. Um, and I know if my wife listens to this, she's going to get very upset because she, she loves me and she hates it when I have like negative talk about myself. Um, but, but those were very, dis- like you said, very, very disheartening. And it's a lot to put on. Like I was six, seven, eight, and nine. I mean, I have a seven-year-old and a nine-year-old right now. And I would not expect them to fully understand how their own brains are working. You know, I think the adults around them, me included, needs to be the one that's saying, okay, I see you're struggling with this. Let's let's figure out why you're struggling with this. What can we do to help you not struggle with this? Is, is it hard for you to do this? As opposed to it being you're not doing your work because you're naughty which is what it was back in the day. You're lazy, you're misbehaving. Oh, you'd rather be in front of the TV than do your work. And I'm like, I, I wish I could say this when I was seven. I can say it now because I can be like, when I'm playing computer games and I know I have, you know, I'm studying at the moment. I know I have stuff to study. I'm not ignoring the studying. I'm playing the, the video game. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, no, I need to study. It's freaking me out. But I can't, I can't get myself to put it down and do the work. So, so it's the weirdest feeling of the anxiety is building and building and building, and I just can't get myself to do the thing. Um, and throughout high school, when my parents were like, why aren't you studying? Come on, sit down and study. Just sit down and study. You know, my dad would be ripping his hair out saying, just sit down and study for 30 minutes. That's all I want you to do today. It's 30 minutes. And I'm <laughs> like, I would just fight against that. And they could not understand why. And again, to my, you know, to back my parents up, they're not experts. They're not educational ex- experts. They needed someone to come in and say, okay, here's why your child actually can only, you need to break it up to 15 minute chunks for him. Kids that take an hour to do stuff, he can do in 15 minutes. So he doesn't need the hour of studying. Just give him the 15 minutes and he can get it done. Wow, but yeah. if you're trying to get him to do it for an hour, you're going to kill him. So. You mentioned your kids a moment ago and you've got two very active boys. Do <laughs> do they have any understanding of ADHD at all? What, what do they know about what dad is going through? Um, we haven't really spoken about that yet i i do worry about putting a burden on them to understand their dad more um you know considering that this is something that i've only in my later life have have started to understand myself so it's not something we, we we really talk about a lot but it is it does come through in the way we talk about their schoolwork you know so so a lot of the time when they have homework to do we're very aware of the, the mental space they're in. We're very, very aware of, you know, hey, okay, you have these three things to do for, for homework. If we can get this thing done, then we can go and kick the ball around outside. Then we can do, get this thing done, and then we can do something else. Um, so, so it has changed the way we think about schoolwork and, and we think about work as well. Um, you know, this is something that can be passed down <laughs> um, genetically, you know, if it's not a – a trauma response so so there's something that we're also very aware like looking at you know eli who's who's the bi- our biological child looking at like does he have any of the symptoms but it's it's he's he's too young to diagnose um that is also the danger though is that he might just be behaving like a normal seven-year-old but because now i have this adhd life i'm everything he does i'm like oh adhd uh, adhd uh, i just i see it everywhere <laughs> 
Let's talk about those superpowers now, because over the span of your career, you've probably found certain things help and other things hinder your effectiveness. Uh, something like COVID that only happened 2020, and you were also diagnosed 2020. Things like that, working remotely, working in teams, uh, getting projects done on time, um, delivering presentations. How have you found ADHD to help and to hinder your career? Um, so... So it's definitely hindered my career before I got the diagnosis because, again, I didn't understand why I was struggling to do hard projects or things that I, that caused me anxiety. Um, and and it really put me in a box where I didn't feel like I could achieve anything. Once I got the diagnosis, like the weird thing is you would think that once you get diagnosed with ADHD as an adult, the one thing you wouldn't do is start studying again. <laughs> um, but but getting it and know, and understanding how my brain works – I felt confident to go, okay, I now know how I need to study. I, I, and I also know what expectations to put on myself for, for the courses that I'm doing. So I'm not going to expect that I'm going to get straight firsts and A's when, for everything. I'm not going to expect that I'm going to do all the work three days before they do. I am going to expect that it's going to be done the night before, but I I know that I'll get it done because I'm working through a process in a way that that, that works for me. Um, but when it comes to the actual superpowers of ADHD, which is actually to answer your question, um, first the the social aspect of it. I I, I think being energetic and enthusiastic. Um, and, and quite sociable, which is one of the traits for people with my kind of ADHD. I think that's been really beneficial for me. It means that I think people like having me around. Like I'm, I, I bring a bit of energy into a room, hopefully not a distracting energy. I've worked very hard at not at being positive and not a distraction because I know I can be. Um, so, so that has helped me get into spaces and rooms where maybe other people wouldn't have been. Um, I, I notice, like I said, I notice patterns better, which helps me to learn new tools much faster than other people. Um, this is one of the things that like my wife and I constantly argue about because when there's some new piece of tech that comes into the house or there's something new that we have to figure out, she's just like, she'll just like hand it over to me and because she knows that it'll take her four times longer than it's going to take me because I'm just able to assimilate information Faster. It's almost like my central processor runs faster but hotter and then shuts down every now and then. So I'm able to pick up new tools and new processes a lot faster. Um, and I'm also able to like ideate things. I'm, I'm able to come up with new ideas. Um, and I think that's part of the, the solution problem solving aspect of ADHD as well, where I'm, you know, I often find that I'll be in meetings and people will be talking about a, an issue or a problem. And I have to like hold my tongue because I know they'll, they'll get there eventually, but I'm already thinking of the solution. And I know that sounds cocky, but like there are times I'm like, I don't want to be the person who's, who's saying the thing that I, I mean, surely everyone's thinking this and I'm realized, Oh no, they're not thinking this. I'm thinking this like four steps ahead of time. So, so there's a lot of ways that's been beneficial. Yeah. I mean, I have never been diagnosed. There's so much of what you're saying that resonates so strongly with me. <laughs> I can be in conversations and I can, I can crack a joke as an example and nobody laughs. But about 30 seconds later, somebody else in the group says almost exactly the same thing <laughs> to the word and everybody laughs. 
And that I started taking that quite personally. I'm like, I just said that. Why didn't you laugh when I said it? And many other instances. Maybe I should, uh, yeah. Anyway, you should, you let's, should, let's you should, not get there now. No, no, no. But uh, yeah. yeah, it sounds like you should go and, and get some therapeutic and do the test. And, do the test and yeah. You know. yeah. But again, there um, are people who have, like I said, these there are these are things that other people can go, oh, I, I'm like that too. It doesn't mean you have ADHD. You might just have a symptom of it. But it's all of those things together um, mm. that, that make me the wonderful flower that I am. You are a wonderful flower, <laughs> and flowers are beautiful to look at. And uh, and sometimes they give you hay fever. I, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> What's your shiny object at the moment? What's the thing that distracts you the most at the moment? <sighs> um, so <laughs> you and I have a podcast together, another podcast, because um, I think you have similar problems to what I have, uh, called Have You Asked Your Dad? And it's the thing... That and my and my fatherhood blog called Afro Daddy. Those are the two things I think that I would much rather be thinking about those things than anything else at any given point of day. I and and when I do give myself the time to work on those things, that is not a burden. That's not it's not a struggle for me to get going on editing the, the next episode or to think about the next episode of the plan. I'm like, I actually have to stop myself from doing that because I have other things to do. Um, so that's for me, those, those two things are, are the, the, the shiny objects that my brain naturally, it feels like it's calibrated to think about those things. It just kind of defaults into that. You know, it's never a case of, Oh, I have to make a note. Think about, have you asked your dad? Think about Aphrodite. Think it's like, no, I'm just doing it. I'm just doing it. And at, at the expense of other things, usually. <laughs> Do you consider then having ADHD as being a curse? Is ADHD a curse? Uh, it's a curse in the in the way Superman is cursed, because yes, he has superpowers, but it makes his life difficult. You know, he he doesn't want to really be Superman in the world because the world isn't built for Superman, and he has a kryptonite um, that he has to look out for, and people don't understand him. So, so I think that that is the curse. If, if we lived in the world where schools and academic institutions and workplaces were designed to have space for neurodivergent people, and even that makes it sound weird because it's like the idea that there's a normal brain and then there's my brain. No, no, we all have, we're all neurodivergent in our own way. There's just, this is a one particular category that we've put people in. So, so, if spaces like that were able to work with all different kinds of brains, then it wouldn't be a curse. Then we wouldn't even have a thing called ADHD. It would just be like, oh, Terrence is better at those things. We're going to put him in those spaces. Oh, Sean is better at those things. We're going to put him in those spaces. And we all work together. Now, now saying that, like my current work, I'm very lucky that I have a boss and actually several bosses who are very understanding that I have, I have ADHD. They're, they're, they know how to use my skills to the to get the best outputs they know what kind of input i need to to keep me happy and stable um and they also know that you know what if terence is going to send out a bulk email to 400 people maybe someone else should check the email before it goes out you know so like and and i know i used to be offended by that like oh what do you think i can't i can't double check my own work and like 
actually, Terrence, you can't double check your own work because you don't see the errors. Um, so, so that's why I think it's a curse. It's just that we're not, the world is not designed for that. I think it's changing. I, I see changes happening in the way school works for my kids. It's still not great. Like the way kids have to sit down for hours on end and focus from a very young age. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's only a curse because of the way the world is, not because of the way we are. That's a beautiful answer. Thank you for sharing. Terence lives in Plumstead and shares his home with his wife and two boys. They also have two cats and a dog. Among many things Terence is really good at is our podcast called Have You Asked Your Dad? And his parenting blog, Afro Daddy. He's a dedicated dad and has a genuine care for his friends, something I'm very grateful for. He also has something in common with Will I Am, Michael Phelps, Justin Timberlake, Zoe Deschanel, Simone Biles, and Channing Tatum. Yep, you guessed it. They've all been diagnosed with ADHD. It is important to understand that untreated ADHD in adults can lead to mental health issues like anxiety and depression. This is most likely because ADHD symptoms can lead to problems with focus, concentration, and impulsivity. And when these problems are not managed effectively, they can lead to feelings of frustration, irritability, and low self-esteem, like Terence mentioned. If you are in any way unsure of the experiences you're having, please consider seeking professional advice from a registered psychologist or counselor. Did you know the international symbol for mental health awareness is a green ribbon? Reason being that green signifies new life, new growth, and new beginnings. You can show your support for this podcast by posting a green heart to Instagram. Oh, and tag me, please, Sean Lewitz. It'll be our thing. If you've enjoyed this episode, please consider giving the podcast a five-star review and telling your friends about it. It really does help grow the show. And speaking of growing the show, you know so much about me already, but I know very little about you. Go ahead, tap the link in the show notes and complete a short survey. It'll help me make this podcast even better. Thanks so much. If you are looking for ways to incrementally build a healthier life, subscribe to my newsletter for free. It's called Something Shifted. The link is in the show notes. Right, that's it. Until the next time, my name's Sean Lewitz. Speak soon.